I have a friend who always refers to Jesus as the Prince of Peace, and it always gives me pause when I hear that. You know, we all need peace, and the best way to find it is through Jesus. Hey folks, it's Karen G. from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast. You can listen here each week to catch up on our latest sermons, and we hope what you hear inspires you to want more so you'll continue on your own personal faith journey. Today, we have part four in our Advent sermon series called The Promise. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Good morning, Tower Hill Church Online. I'm Pastor Jason. It's great to be with you again as we are just slamming into Christmas. I mean, it is right around the corner, and what a blessing it is. Um, It's just so amazing how fast. I swear, every year Christmas sneaks up on me. It's the same time every year, but it doesn't matter. It's still... It sneaks up on me, and I kind of feel like life's been like that for the last two years. It's like all of a sudden my kids are are in a grade higher than it feels like they should be because we missed that time. It's like we missed a whole year, a year and a half, almost two years of our lives, and it's just now kind of coming back. And then, though, with all of the concerns about variants and COVID numbers and all of that, it's just been so chaotic and strange, but not without... It's silver linings. And I hope that part of our silver lining is that this Advent season, we can draw closer to God, that we know that we need those themes of Advent in our lives, hope, love, joy, and peace, and that we know exactly where to find them. So I hope this series has been helpful to you as you're celebrating and preparing to celebrate the Christmas holiday. So um, one thing we've been saying, though, is because we've all been kind of craving the warmth of Christmas, we all feel like we are Clark Griswold, right? We, we need a little Christmas now. We need to do the lights. It was on last night, by the way, uh, Christmas vacation. And, you know, we need the house done up with lights. We need all the de- decorations. A lot of you, you started decorating early um, or, or you went bigger this year maybe than you had in years past, or maybe you have more Christmas plans than you did before because it just feels like we're just craving that feel good because we haven't had a whole lot of it over the last couple of years. And again, in this season of Advent, it's all about, okay, how do we dig dig in during this time and dig deeper with God? Because when that happens, when we dig deeper with God, we hit these sort of new, it's sort of like we're drilling, we hit these new deeper wells of hope, love, joy, and peace. So Advent, the season of waiting, is about active waiting we've been talking about Uh, for the last several weeks that, you know, it's like it's preparing as if God's going to show up in your life. It's waiting upon the Lord and waiting faithfully, which means you're waiting actively. In other words, you're preparing for him to come. Make him room in your life. And so uh, last week we talked about joy. We said that joy is not something that we achieve. It's something that we receive Actually, more specifically, it's someone that we receive. Jesus is the impossible way through the wilderness. If you missed that one, I want to encourage you to go, go back and listen to that or watch that service again, And because that's a really important one. How do we cultivate God-sized joy, not just human joy? 
And today, we're talking about maybe the most important one of all right now because it impacts every single area of our lives, every single area of the world, all the conflicts between nations, all the conflicts between people, and that is the theme of peace. Peace is something that we always talk about around Christmas, and we talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. And I think it's important that we kind of dig in and talk a bit about what that means. I shared uh, this with you last year. I discovered this last year, and uh, it was a declaration of Christmas peace. This is a, a town, small town, I believe, in the Netherlands that since the 1300s have this proclamation of Christmas peace. And I just found it so entertaining. I thought, I thought I would share it with you again. Here we go. Declaration of Christmas peace. Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all. By advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall, under aggravating circumstances, be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. <laughs> I love that. It is like they are not messing around. You're going to have some Christmas peace and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to like it, right? It's like, if anyone messes up, you're going to jail because this is all about the peace of Christmas. Maybe we ought to post that thing like on your door when your family comes over. <laughs> Anybody who disrupts the peace of Christmas, right? They take Christmas peace seriously, and we should too, but maybe not exactly in the same way. We talk about peace all the time. You hear in, you know, Christmas carols, you hear in songs, you hear the very famous uh, John Lennon, you know, all we are saying is give peace a chance. That's on all the time at Christmas as well. And you know, I think about, is peace just talking about war? Is it talking about, right, the, the absence of fighting between nations? Well, yes, but also you see signs of peace. You know, this is a shot of Disney World where um, they have the big Christmas celebration and it says peace on earth. And, you know, is it just about sort of everybody enjoying angels and peace on earth signs? And what does that mean? What does it really mean? to talk about Christmas peace. Well, peace happens when we let go of conflict. And this, this just isn't just between nations. It's something that happens even in our very souls, which we'll get to that in a minute. This is a great picture of troops playing soccer. And some of you know what this picture is. In 1914, in World War I, British and German troops had an unofficial Christmas truce. And Christmas Eve came, and they started singing Christmas carols with one another. The fighting stopped, and the Germans emerged from their trenches unarmed, saying Merry Christmas. And the British troops came out, and they, they did all sorts of things. They, they shared pictures together. They sang songs together. They even decorated trees, and they played. This is an actual picture of them playing a spirited game of soccer. When we see moments of truce like this or peace like this, I feel like it's a little window into the miraculous peace that comes from Jesus Christ. That even in the midst of complete battle, of chaos, of death, life can emerge through peace. Peace is the letting go of conflict. So what do we mean then? What do we mean when we say Jesus is our peace? Because he is. 
But what exactly does that mean? Well, again, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to go back to the book of Isaiah. And let's get back to our map here that you've become familiar with. This is of the kingdom of of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. That's Israel was divided into two kingdoms, northern and southern at the time. And there's there are two towns that are referenced here in just a moment, Nephtali and Zebulun. They're in the northern kingdom. And there was a prophecy in Isaiah 8.22 that they will be thrust into utter darkness. Uh, this was a prophecy about the conquering of the northern kingdom of Israel. And, and it happened. These two towns were, you know, thrust into darkness by being carried away or conquered by foreign oppressors. And they are referenced here in the next piece from Isaiah. And it goes, it goes this way. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. If you look up on that map, you'll see a body of water just to the right of Naphtali and Zebulun. That's the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, what he's saying is, I'm going to honor my people. And and that place of blooming and honoring is going to be the same place that was thrust into darkness. In other words, that area won't be in darkness forever. In fact, They're going to be honored when something new, new life comes from this area of Galilee by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And then here comes the prophecy we've talked about for the last couple of weeks. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice At the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can you imagine in this prophecy what it would have been like to hear it? To feel like you, I mean, you're a conquered people. You have been thrust into darkness. And here's a prophecy saying, God, by the way, you were thrust into darkness because of your own unfaithfulness. But God, despite all of that, is going to make a way to where you now are going to be conquerors. Not because of what you've done, but because of what God has done for you. You'll have no more need for those weapons or those garments of war. There'll be fuel for the fire. An everlasting peace is coming. A peace that passes all other understanding of peace. An all-consuming peace. And really, it's a very deep and abiding message of God's shalom. Shalom means peace. And, you know, we've heard that before. Shalom is a greeting and it's a, it's sort of like aloha, right? I mean, it's, 
it's used in that way. But what it means to wish shalom on somebody or to greet them with shalom is to say, I pray, I hope that God's shalom is upon your life, that you have peace in your relationships, in your heart, in your business, in your family, like peace that, that rests over your entire life. That's God's shalom. And this peace that Jesus brings, this game-changing peace, is the eradication of conflict completely, right? Emotional, spiritual, and physical. And is both communal and individual in nature, this peace that comes from God. Wouldn't you like a peace like that? <laughs> Wouldn't you like a complete game-changing, no matter what, God's shalom in every area of your life? Of course, of course you would. Peace is something that God can give, that we can experience, even when the world around us is battling. And this is the miracle of the peace that Jesus gives us. The peace that's possible. It's like that, that Christmas truce. That's nothing compared to the miracle of God's peace in our lives. Let's unpack this a little bit. What does it mean to live with God-sized peace? Because it's not just, you know, kind of the end of fighting. Um, I mean, it's part of it, but it's more than that. And I think it begins this way. I think, I think it begins with peace with God. Peace with God is the beginning of God-sized peace. What do I mean? Well, as we know, sin separates us from God. It, the decision that we made back in the Garden of Eden is to turn our backs on God. Or to say, you know what, I'm, I can make my own choices. I want to have the same knowledge God has so that I can make my own decisions and I don't need God anymore. Really, the sin of the Garden was the sin to say, we're going to be our own gods. And when that happened and sin entered the world, it created, it created enmity between us and God. And that sin separates us from being with God. Sin is one thing that God won't tolerate in his presence. And so sin separates us from this life with God. And Jesus made a way. Jesus, like a bridge across that chasm, made a way for us to cross the other side and to be with God. This puts us into a position of peace. In other words, we're turned around and reoriented in a face-to-face -face relationship with God. God is with us, in us, by the Holy Spirit, and through us. We have peace. We have access. We can pray to God the Father. We have salvation. We are uh, brought to be with God for eternity. Everything changes because the peace that comes through Jesus Christ the bridge between us and God. As Romans puts it, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So what does that mean? How do the mechanics work? It works like this. If you say, I believe in Jesus, I believe that he saves me from my sins. And what he did on the cross is real. He is God. And I'm going to follow him. You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven and you are brought near. Your status has changed. It's kind of like adoption. Your status changes in the eyes of the law. You were once 
you know, legally one person, and now you're legally engrafted into a family. You have all the rights and privileges, the legal rights and privileges of being part of that new family. You weren't born into it, but there's just as much love being adopted into it. We are all adopted sons and daughters because of Jesus Christ. We put our faith in Jesus. We're adopted into God's family. And now we can talk to God as if he is our own father, and he is. So this, this changes us. This puts us in right relationship with God, and that's where all peace begins. Peace in our hearts, peace in our souls with our Heavenly Father. But it doesn't end there. Not only now do we have peace with God, but you can have peace with God and still be a disaster inside. What do I mean? You could be filled with anxiety, you could be filled with hate, you could be filled with worry, all sorts of things. Because you're in right relationship with God doesn't mean that you don't struggle in those other areas. I mean, again, let's go back to the adoption thing. You could be adopted into a new family, but it doesn't mean that you're going to act perfectly as a child of that family, right? You might not clean your room when you're told. You might forget to take out the trash. You might not empty the dishwasher. You might steal something from it, right? Whatever it is. So the next step of peace, of God-sized peace, is, is peace within. And this is the thing that I find even a lot of Christians are still looking for. Is they understand they have a peace with God, but they don't feel that peace inside. They don't have peace in themselves. And some of that, some of our childhood baggage or things that have happened to us in our lives. But if we are open to the peace of God, it should consistently transform our anxiety, our worry, our doubt, our fear, our pain into peace. Philippians says, Do not be anxious by anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. So it's not just like God just waves a wand and then all of our anxiety and fear and everything is just whisked away because, um, because you know, we sort of hit, hit the magic uh, button or we said the magic words. No, instead it comes about through prayer and petition. I like the petition part because petition suggests it's an intentional and consistent asking. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, right? Always giving thanks, even no matter what situation. Present your request to God. And watch this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You have to work for peace. Peace doesn't just happen. Peace might happen with God because of faith, but you got to work for peace to fill your own heart, to lead your life. And that work happens through the work of prayer because, and this is the big, the big secret, the conquering of anxiety, the conquering of fear, the conquering of sin of death is all something that God does on God's side. This is why uh, the peace that God offers is so different than peace that we experience just as human beings because it's something God does. It's not, it's not based on the faithfulness of human beings. It's based on what God does. And if we want peace inside of us, we got to let God do his work in us. And the peace that passes understanding 
will be with us. I mean, you've probably experienced this in your life, or you know people who have, that it's like no matter what goes on around them, I mean, everything can be just chaos, but somehow they kind of maintain this baseline of peace, and you're like, what are you, what's the secret sauce here? What, what book are you reading? What, how does this work? How are you doing this? And whenever somebody asks me something like that, I'm just like, I'm not doing it, because <laughs> I, I don't have all the peace that I need all by myself. It's God doing it in me. God-sized peace. Peace with God, peace within. And then finally, you can have peace with one another. Listen, it's hard to have peace with other people in your life if you don't have peace inside of you. I think it's pretty impossible. In other words, they have to happen in that kind of order. Like, in order for me to have peace in my life, i got to first have peace with God. And like... God fills me with all the other kinds of peace. He makes all the other peace possible in my life. Peace with one another. You might have a relationship that needs some peace that's been broken. You might have a conflict happening in your life. Or my goodness, I mean, just think about conflict between people and towns and nations and political parties. And I mean, name it. But we can have peace with one another if we can have peace with God and peace with him. The kind of peace that Jesus brings is meant to be all-encompassing, the eradication of conflict in our emotional, physical, and spiritual lives, God's shalom. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Not in the next presidential candidate, not in the next, uh, right, uh, next thing that I'm trying to fulfill for myself or the next job I'm going to get or the next thing I'm going to buy is so that in me you may have peace. That's the secret. Jesus is the one that brings our life's greatest peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is our peace because he eradicates our conflict with God, which makes all other peace possible. I think for us, we need to be a lot like that town in the Netherlands, right? We need to take our peace seriously. We should be a people that are defined by peace. So how do we do it? How do we cultivate God-sized peace in our hearts and lives this Advent season? Or shoot, just today. How do we start doing it? I think it's it's an act of surrender. It's like, God, I give to you back my life, my days, my comings and goings, my desires. I give it back to you. And I just say, look, I'm thankful for all these things that you've given to me and all the opportunities I have, but I ask, make me right again. Fill me with your peace. Forgive me of my sins. Help me be in right relationship with you and and help me live that right relationship out with other people, myself, with the world around me, my interactions, my transactions. It's amazing how God's peace will change you, change me and my life. I'm sure for many of you watching, it's changed yours. But it helps to have a reminder of exactly where our peace comes from. Because I know in our culture today, it's like we're, we're constantly looking for peace 
in all sorts of other things besides God. And we wonder why we don't feel very peaceful. So my prayer for you and for me today and this week is that we would allow God's peace to rest upon our hearts and souls, that we would live a life of shalom, that we will live into the promise. Amen. Amen.